A major new study has shown that teenage boys are six times as likely to suffer from heart problems from the vaccine as they are to face hospitalization from the Wu flu itself. Meanwhile, a recent survey shows that people who haven't gotten the vax already almost certainly will not get it. So the ruling class is trying to force everyone to get the vaccine. Just one year after Dr. Fauci himself admitted that vaccine mandates would constitute an unacceptable encroachment on people's freedom. A lot more to get to on top of that. Audiences cheer as an ex-Special Forces dude beats up a woman. Ron DeSantis swings back at Joe Biden over COVID, and former President George W. Bush compares the Capitol Horn guys to Al-Qaeda on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment Friday is from Ike Hurd, who, quoting Joe Biden, says, but our patience is wearing thin. He is literally threatening us now, lol. Now, now you're just catching on that he's threatening us. Yes, there, there have been threats the whole time. Implicit threats, slightly less implicit threats, like when the left burned the country down and killed people. And, and now Joe Biden saying, my patience is wearing thin. I played real nice for some time, but now it's wearing thin. You know, when my patience is wearing thin, something that takes the edge off, a nice glass of wine, which is why I would recommend you check out First Leaf. I love First Leaf. I have loved First Leaf for years. What is First Leaf? It's a fully customizable wine club that sends curated boxes of wine that are perfect for you. Not box of wine like you take it out of a spigot. I mean, boxes full of bottles of wine. They've got more award-winning wine than anyone else. Each wine shipment is entirely customized to your unique palate and preferences. So the way this works is, I didn't believe it at first. I'd been a member of wine clubs where the wine wasn't any good. You suggest your preferences. They send you wines, and it'll be mostly stuff along the lines of your preferences. Maybe they'll get one in there. That just Let's just see what you think about this. You go on and rate it. The more you use it, the, the more customized for your palate, the wine becomes. It's really, really excellent stuff. They work with the world's best winemakers, not only to find the best wines available, but to pass the savings on to you, saving you up to 60% on retail. Save time, money, and stress with First Leaf, the wine club designed with you in mind. Join today. You'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95. That's an insane deal, plus free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Knowles. Six bottles of wine for $29.95, plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash Knowles. They're probably going to take me off of the internet for, for reading this report, for reading this, this new study from the science, but uh, whatever, I'm going to read it anyway. Teenage boys face a greater risk from the vaccine than they do from COVID. This is uh, from the Telegraph. It's a, a, so it's a British report. It's according to major new research from the United States. Children who, who face the highest risk of a cardiac adverse event are boys age 12 and uh, through 15 uh, following two doses of a vaccine, according to a new, uh, new research from the United States. Uh, the findings come as Professor Chris Witte, who is England's chief medical officer, prepares to advise the ministers on whether or not there would be a wider benefit to society from vaccinating children. So the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunization delivered uh, this verdict saying that the margin of benefit of giving 12 to 15-year-old boys the shot was, quote, considered too small, and uh, they're citing the low risk to children from this virus. So you can look at it, look up the article if it hasn't been taken down already, look up the study if that has not been taken down already. This is something that we have suggested for a long time on this show and a lot of conservatives have pointed this out. They've said for young, healthy people, some young, healthy people, 
face a greater risk of danger from the vaccine than they do from the coronavirus. And many people have been booted off of social media altogether for saying that. We've been smeared and it's called, it's called misinformers and lying. We're not following the science. Well, here's the science. Here it is. This is, the, this, this is as the science as it gets. And it's showing that for young, healthy people, perhaps doesn't make the most sense to get that shot. We've heard this from these young people themselves. There's a student athlete who took to TikTok. I'm sure this is going to be taken down too. He took to TikTok to say he was a totally healthy student athlete. He was looking forward to his senior year. And then he gets the second shot of the vaccine and he comes down with myocarditis. I am in the hospital right now with heart complications from the COVID-19 vaccine. And I want to inform as many people as I can about the risks from taking the vaccine that I wish someone would have told me so I am a Division One student athlete with no prior health issues, and I got the second COVID shot Tuesday, and within four days, I have been diagnosed with myocarditis and was told that I probably won't be able to play my senior season now. It is a side effect from the COVID vaccine, and it's really not being reported or addressed, and it is a serious issue that we should all be informed about before making this decision. It isn't right for people to be forced to take the vaccine because there are actual side effects like this that could happen to you. And the NCAA should not mandate student athletes to get the vaccine because of what could happen to so many fellow student athletes, um, health issues, which has happened to me. What you're going to be told is, that's fake news, that's fake, look, it's probably not real, and okay, even if it is real, if he, even if he really is a student athlete, look, the plural of anecdote is not data, actually it is, but uh, look, it, it, the science shows the vaccines are safe, and okay, okay. Let's say that the vaccines for the vast majority of people are totally safe and it's totally fine. And the odds of anyone, including a teenage boy facing the, these heart problems, is very, very, very low. Okay. What the study is saying is that their risk of facing heart complications here is much, much, much higher than their risk of facing hospitalization from the virus itself. So why would they get the shot? Why would they get this shot? There's really not much argument for it, especially because we're told that the way the vaccine works is it protects you, the person who receives the vaccine, from the worst complications of coronavirus. So you can't even really make the argument that teen boys, otherwise healthy teen boys need to get it and risk myocarditis to protect old people or fat people or people who are at greater risk because we're told that the vaccine protects those people. So there's really no argument for it. And this is why I think the United Kingdom right now is reversing their plans for the COVID vax passports. The British government was pushing to mandate vaccine passports for nightclubs, movie theaters, other large public venues. And the health secretary, Sajid Javid, is now coming out and saying, no, they are going to reverse course on the passports. It is only two days ago that Nadim Zahawi, the vaccine minister, says that he didn't like vaccine passports, but it is the right thing to do. Has it overnight become the wrong thing to do? 
there's no, there's no overnight about it. I mean, first of all, there's a, there's a lot of defences as we've just gone through some of them that we we need to keep in place here because this virus hasn't gone anywhere. There's still a pandemic, so of course we need to remain cautious. But we just shouldn't be doing things for the sake of it or because others are doing it. We should look at every possible intervention properly. So you asked about vaccine passports. So I think it's fair to say, I think most people are probably instinctively don't like the idea. I mean, I, I've never liked the idea of saying to people, you must show your papers or something to, to do you know, what, what is just an everyday activity. But we were right to, you know, to properly look at it, to look at the evidence. But you're not uh, doing but, it. Well, what I can say is that we've looked at it properly. And whilst we should keep it in reserve as a potential option, I'm pleased to say that we will not be going ahead with plans for vaccine passports. Oh, okay. Look, we were absolutely very, very right to try to force this on the public. But uh, you understand, uh, then they pushed back a little bit. So now we're not going to do that. Yes, 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 well, well. I don't know what, is this a South African accent or a New Zealand accent? I don't know. Uh, it's not great. What can I tell you? That's not, not, I, I do my Fauci better than my British. Uh, the point that he's making here, because at the beginning he says, what? No, it didn't change overnight. Okay, it didn't change overnight. Is this being pushed because of the science or because of the politics. And he admits it's the politics. He says people don't like it. And so we're, we're not going to do it. We're going to keep it in reserve <laughs> in case we get the chance to do it. But the people are pushing back on us. And so we are not going to do this. A absolutely right. This is because people, especially some conservatives, some factions of the conservative party in Britain said, no, thank you. Beyond that, beyond the UK, speaking more broadly, including here in America, the simple fact is people who have not gotten the vaccine already are most likely just not going to get it ever, no matter what you do short of going door to door and sticking them with a needle. There's a survey just came out from CNBC and Change Research just found uh, this past week, uh, the, the vast majority of unvaccinated Americans, 83%, do not plan on ever getting it. This was taken among 1,775 respondents. Uh, it found that there's little that can be done to persuade them. The vast majority of the unvaccinated, 84%, uh, said they would not get the shot, even, even if the vaccines had no side effects. 87% said employer mandates would not move them to take action either. So they keep changing the way the question is asked. Well, what if we did this? And what if we did that? And what if it were like this? And it's still 83, 84, 87% say, no, thanks. We're not going to do it. So the, the only thing you could do is even beyond a mandate, which still wouldn't convince a lot of people, you, you'd really have to put teeth on that mandate. And the fact is, even the people now pushing the mandates just a year ago said, absolutely not. That would be an encroachment on liberty. One of the people who made that point, Dr. Fauci himself. You know, I don't think we've ever had uh, a situation where you mandate it for the general population. So let me give you some example of mandating so I'm a physician. I see patients in my hospital right literally out the window here across the hall at the NIH Clinical Center. During the flu season, the administration of the hospital mandates that I have to get a flu vaccine. Otherwise, I won't be able to see patients the way I usually do. That has not happened ever, to my knowledge, at a national level or even at a state level. So I could see individual institutions mandating a vaccine. I don't see it on a national level, merely because of all the situations you have 
upon encroaching upon a person's freedom to make their own choice of their own health. So like all other Fauci predictions, turns out this one was wrong too, because what happens now? We're seeing the vaccine mandates and the whole public health establishment is pushing for them. But the one part that Fauci got right is the American people do not like them and they almost certainly will not work. One way to protect yourself, go check out Ring. I love Ring Alarm. I love Ring Alarm because it gives me peace of mind. Whether my wife and I are home at the same time, whether I'm away from home and she's there, whether she's away from home and she worries about me. I don't know. You know, listen, somebody could break in, do me harm. It's just great to be able to keep an eye on your home. Wherever you are, whatever part of your home you want to keep an eye on, the ring alarm system is so easy to install. Even I can do it. It's really inexpensive and it is extremely high tech. I love these guys. I rely on these guys. I have given it out as housewarming gift. Right now, protect your home anytime from anywhere with Ring Alarm. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for a special offer on a Ring Alarm security kit today. Build the system that is right for your home. Have it up and running in minutes. You will know if anyone's creeping around your home. Is it the delivery guy? Is it a bad guy? Is it your mother-in-law? Which is scarier? Go to ring.com slash Knowles, ring.com slash Knowles. The debate over vaccine mandates comes down to freedom, right? And we, we talk a lot on this show about how freedom has been misinterpreted in recent years on the left and on the right. Okay, I think a lot of the problems with why the conservatives have not been all that effective over the past several decades, a lot of the problems we face now in our political discourse are because even we misunderstand what freedom is. Freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want whenever you want it. That is not what the founding fathers thought freedom was. That is not what classical statesmen thought freedom was. That's not what the Christians thought freedom was. That's not what the ancient pre-Christian pagans thought freedom was. It's not what conservatives thought freedom was until just a few years ago. Freedom is the right to do what you ought to do. Okay. And I'll, I often give the example of the drug addict. Well, I'll give you another example right now. This comes from mixed martial arts. There was a big fight the other night in which a giant hulking ex-special forces dude beat a woman, beat her up. A giant hulking dude beat up a chick and this was considered a great victory and people applauded for that. The fellow's name is Alana McLaughlin. I don't know what his real name is, but the name he goes by is Alana McLaughlin. Uh, He is the second openly transgender woman, a dude, to to beat up women in the MMA. And he won his debut on Friday night via submission at the Combat Global uh, Preliminary Games in Miami. He's 38 years old. He used a rear chokehold against Celine Provost, ended the match three minutes, 32 seconds into the second round. Here's what he said. He goes, I want to pick up the mantle that Fallon put down. Fallon Fox is another dude who went into the ring to beat up women and cracked open a woman's skull. And people applauded for that too. They said, yeah, yeah, buddy, you go, you go crack that woman's skull. Equality, freedom. He did that. Uh, He became the first uh, transgender woman to fight in the MMA in 2012. And then this fella says, right now I'm following in Fallon's footsteps. I'm just another step along the way. And it's my great hope that there are more to follow behind me. Freedom, right? Isn't this freedom? This is, this is freedom, according to the modern liberal definition that many people on the right have bought into. Well, it's his, it's his, it's his freedom 
if he feels like a woman, then he gets to just pretend to be a woman. He gets, he gets to be treated as a woman. He gets to dress up like a woman and compete in women's sports. It's his freedom. And by the way, the woman that he beat up, she agreed to do it. Right. Let's not, let's not make her into a victim here. I mean, sure. A hulking special forces dude just bruised her up, but she agreed to do it. It was her consent. Just like the woman who had her skull cracked open by Fallon Fox. She consented to it. So it's her freedom too. And look, we're all consenting to watch this sick, sick match, right? This psychopathy in a ring. And so it's all, it's all free. It's all good. As long as you agree to it, isn't that great? The heroin addict just decides to shoot up. You, you tyrants better not tell him that he can't shoot up a bunch of dope and kill himself. Why? That's his freedom, right? Right? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. What we saw happen, I didn't watch it, obviously, uh, but what, what other people saw happen at the MMA is the refutation of feminism, transgenderism, the whole sexual revolution, and this whole misunderstanding of liberty, okay? Feminism says men and women are exactly the same. They're identical. There are some superficial differences, but beyond superficial differences, they're identical, and that's just not true. Men and women are different. They're different physically. They're different emotionally. They're different ontologically. They're just different, okay? A woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, according to the feminists. Just not true. Men and women both need one another. Transgenderism is the logical consequence of feminism. If men and women are exactly the same, well, first, first then you're going to have to redefine marriage because men and women are exactly the same. So the union of two men and the union of two women has to be just following that logic, it has to be the exact same as the union between a man and a woman. And then following that logic, a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man because th there's actually no difference, right? Except when they get into the ring and the men crack the women's skulls open. And then you realize, oh, wait, there is a difference. Ah, no, but I'm, but I was told there is no, so I get, I'm, I must be imagining this. It must be an illusion. It was just the luck of the draw that Fallon Fox cracked that chick's skull open, right? It was just it could have gone the other way. The chick could have cracked his skull open, except they never do because men and women are different. The whole sexual revolution. Do men and women relate to sex in the same way? I don't think so. When a guy, when a single guy goes out with his buddies and they want to get up to no good, they are thinking about sex in a different way than women are. That's just a fact. Leon Cass, the bioethicist, has this idea. It's called the wisdom of repugnance. He said, there are certain things that just at a gut level, we just, we just find icky. Okay. And this is not fully reliable to our understanding of moral problems, but it is somewhat reliable. Think of incest, consensual incest, where there is no possibility of producing a child, right? There, you can't really make a utilitarian argument for why that's a bad thing. Because there won't be a child. There won't be any externality. These two people are consenting. They love each other. It's no big deal. And yet we just have this aversion to it. We just think that's just, there's something wrong about it. There's something wrong about a man cracking a woman's skull open. And if you're, if you're bought into the logic of liberalism and progressivism and all these modern ideologies, you can't really explain, if you're a conservative, you can't explain why it's wrong. But if, if you're a modern, you can't quite explain why it's wrong. But you know too, you know too, that it is wrong. Speaking of hitting people who are weaker than you. Ron DeSantis is swinging back at Joe Biden. 
Joe Biden is blaming Ron DeSantis as best he can for the uptick in COVID cases. Notice they don't, they don't really talk about the uptick in deaths quite so much. They don't even talk very much about the uptick in hospitalizations. It's always the cases because the cases don't really matter. The question is death and hospitalization. So the other reason Biden's hitting DeSantis is because he thinks DeSantis has a good chance of being the nominee. So whether Biden's running, whether Kamala's running, he wants to weaken DeSantis. So DeSantis comes back and he takes Joe Biden's logic and he flips it on its head. Here he comes from Washington, D.C., instituting an unprecedented mandate, which even his own people have acknowledged in the past is not constitutional. That's not leadership. And I think the problem I have with Joe Biden more than anything, this guy doesn't take responsibility for anything. He's always trying to blame other people, blame other states. This is a guy that promised when he ran for president that he would shut down the virus. If you look now, there's 300% more cases in this country today than a year ago when we had no vaccines at all. So his policies are not working. He's doubling down on things that are gonna be very destructive for the livelihoods of many, many Americans and obviously going to be destructive uh, to our constitutional system and the rule of law. And so these are times uh, when you believe in that constitution, uh, you got to stand up. Absolutely right. This is more evidence that Ron DeSantis is a very sophisticated politician because what Joe Biden is doing here is he's pushing the problems down to the states. He's got the whole media to defend him and say, all the problems with COVID are coming from Florida which is obviously not true, right? During the epidemic, Andrew Cuomo was probably the worst governor in the country on COVID. DeSantis was the best, and yet the media blamed DeSantis and and made Cuomo into a deity before he got booted out over that sex scandal. It was really over the COVID scandal. So DeSantis is flipping it. He goes, hey, buddy, you're blaming me because the COVID cases are going up. You're the president. You said that you would reduce COVID cases. What? You're going to let little old Ron DeSantis stop you from doing that? Take some responsibility. This is your fault and you lied. Now, there is a woman who, uh, frankly, I know there are a lot of people up for the Republican nomination for president. This woman, if she wants it, I think she has my endorsement. I think she has my vote. She put the situation here with Biden and the COVID mandates and his patients wearing thin. She put it better than just about anyone I've heard. Talking about my patience is wearing thin. Who the f are you talking to? As long as your patience don't get as thin as that hairline, I think we'll be all right. I am not your child. You but and I'm showing sure up ain't your. Bitch. You're talking about your patience is wearing thin. These people have law. They acting like they. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying like they paying your bills and you down. You got to watch you fool. I, I saw that little clip. I said, oh, he's crazy. He really think he, he really think I'm his hoe. My patience is wearing thin. I need you to get out on that boulevard and bring me my money. You ain't my pimp. No. What the hell is wrong with these people? He really said that shit out of his mouth. But our patience is wearing thin. You bald head. See, 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 I'm trying. I thank God. See, that's Danny calling me right now, trying to save, trying to save my mouth. I could not have said it better myself. And I think that on a, a deep level, maybe people will use slightly different words. That's the feeling of a lot of Americans who are not going to pay any attention to that. Where do I vote for that woman? Where do I give me a mail-in ballot so I can vote for that woman for something? When you want to protect not just the security of the ballot, but your own security, your own digital security, I would strongly recommend you check out 
LifeLock. Researchers have determined that email phishing attacks and brute force attacks are the two most popular and successful methods that cyber criminals use for ransomware and extortion attacks on corporate networks. These attacks are very simple to attempt, they're very difficult to detect, and they can come with huge rewards for cyber criminals. Good thing there's LifeLock. It seems today, every week you read another story about some huge cyber attack. Protect yourself and your data. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, for instance, your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect that your information's potentially been compromised, they will send you an alert. You gotta protect your information. I know you think no one's after your information. No, they're after some famous guy's information. They're after some big, but they're after your information, okay? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure here. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can keep what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now, save up to 25% off your first year by going to lifelock.com slash Knowles, lifelock.com slash Knowles for 25% off. Subscribe and start listening right now to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Our president has decided to go this really awful route and mandate vaccines for all businesses for, with over 100 employees. That includes us here at the Daily Wire. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to use the exact words of that TikTok lady, but that's exactly what we're feeling right now. He, Joe Biden's not going to tell us to go out onto the boulevard and make him his money. All right. <laughs> we are fighting for our employees. We're fighting for our freedom. We're fighting for you. And we are telling Joe Biden to go pound sand, all right? We're pretty fired up about it. That's why you should tune in to catch an all-new episode of Backstage tomorrow with me, Ben, Jeremy, Matt, and Drew. It streams tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on dailywire.com and on our, our Daily Wire YouTube channel. Do not miss it. We'll be right back with a lot more. Political alliances are shifting. There's a woman, she was very prominent in the the Me Too movement, Rose McGowan. She's a Hollywood actress. She is, I think, traditionally on the left. I think she was pretty firmly on the left. And she saw behind the curtain, okay? She saw what the power structures are really like, certainly within Hollywood and more broadly within the liberal establishment of which Hollywood is a pretty significant part. And so Rose McGowan has been changing her, <laughs> her relationship to politics. So much so, I didn't think I would see this day. She has just come out and in her state of California is endorsing Larry Elder for governor. Do you want a society that has gangrene on its leg, but puts on a fancy suit and pretends it's not there while they hobble in pain? Or do you want to just stop, look at reality, Take your medicine, clean up the wound, and run. Run free. Why not change? Why not go big? Why not put a stake in the heart of evil? Because that's what this really is. This is good, and this is evil. I know this place has it in it to be better. I know it does. I've met so many good people in this country. Not the elites. Absolutely not. And then we have the Jennifer Siebel Newsoms of the world. Why? Why do you keep choosing that? Why do you keep electing that? Don't listen to their buzzwords, cult leaders, which is what these people are. I would know I grew up in one, like I said. They massage your mind. 
They keep you in fear. They keep you in doubt. Now notice she mentioned this Newsom woman. She's referring to Gavin Newsom's wife. And the story that came out just came out on Dave Rubin's show. The mainstream media are totally not touching this story. What Rose is alleging, and I have no reason not to believe her, and Dave has seen the emails and he's got the receipts, is that there was a pressure campaign to shut up Rose McGowan six months before the Harvey Weinstein story came out, before the Me Too movement really, really broke. And Gavin Newsom's wife was one of the people, according to Rose, who was pressuring her and said, hey, what do you need? What do you need to go away? What, how can we make you happy? Now, does that mean we're going to pay you off? Does that mean that we're going to give you some position? Does that mean we're going to put you in a movie? What, what does that mean? And I, I have no reason not to believe her in this specific case. And we know that this is a broader problem. We know that the, the swamp or the blob or the establishment or whatever you want to call it, it looks out for itself. And it's very tied in together, Hollywood, with the press, with the Democratic Party, with the entrenched interests. It's all with big tech, with the educational establishment. They're all really tied in and they all really look after each other. And so when there's a real scandal like the Weinstein scandal, don't, it's, people forget it now because Weinstein is a punchline. Harvey Weinstein was probably the most powerful man in Hollywood. They come out and pull out all the stops to try to protect one another. And so what Rose McGowan is seeing is I think what a lot of disaffected Democrats and liberals are seeing, which is they might say, you know, you know, Michael, <laughs> Michael, I don't agree with you on everything. And our views on the issues might be fairly different if we're talking about, I don't know, what marriage or, or immigration or the America's role in the world or what a citizen is. Or we actually might have different views on, let's say on every single political issue for that matter. But there are these matters of policy and there are matters of issues. And then there are broader matters of the political order, the regime. And what a lot of people are seeing is regardless of what I think on immigration, or abortion, even whatever, the ruling class is so sick and so corrupt and so undeserving of its authority that they're going to vote for somebody else. They're just, just to crack it up. I think a lot of people voted for Trump for this reason. They said, I don't, I don't care what he thinks about war, about immigration, about it. I don't care. He's not one of those people. And because those people are bad, they're really bad. So I'm going to vote for anyone else. That, that's an important thing. And so our democracy gave us an attack on that ruling class. Now the ruling class strikes back. Rob Reiner, good old meathead from, from All in the Family. Uh, a great character on a great show. Rob Reiner, his father's Carl Reiner, Hollywood legend. Rob is a huge lib. He is about as left wing as they go. And I'm not going to attack him for his particular political views. I just want to point out the hypocrisy from these people. He says, whether it's vaccines, voting rights, climate change, or, or investigating a deadly insurrection, what wasn't Oh my God. The only deadly insurrection last year was, was BLM. Uh, we're sick and tired of being tyrannized by an ignorant minority. Enough. Let majority rule. Okay. So the position of Rob Reiner is let majority rule. Uh, we're for democracy. 
I hear this from my liberal friends and relatives. They say, Michael, we're pro-democracy. We're just trying to save our democracy. Okay, what about the democracy in Texas that just voted to outlaw abortion? Well, no, that's different. Well, why is that different? Well, because there's a constitutional right to an abortion. Okay, so you're admitting that we need some limits on the democracy. Well, no, well, sure, constitutional limits. Okay, that's, that's, that's first of all. Second of all, show me the right to an abortion in the Constitution. You don't see it. It's not really there. They had to invent that. But okay, you've granted now that, that there are some limits on the, the democracy. Okay, good. So now you defend our, our gun rights, our Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms. Well, no, that's different. We need the people to be allowed to vote. Why is that different? Because that's an actual constitutional right. You've just granted that there can be some limits on the democracy and that there have to be. So there you go. There's one that's spelled out. It's not in the invisible ink in the Constitution like abortion is. There, it's right there in the Bill of Rights. Well, no, that's different. We need to be able to vote on this. Okay, what about uh, Trump? Right, Trump, in an election that was conducted in a, in a much more fair manner than the 2020 election with the widespread mail-ins and the violation of state constitutions and the counting that went on for days and days and weeks and weeks, Donald Trump wins. He wins the election. Isn't that our democracy? No, it's, it can't be. That's be- when, the, when the people vote the wrong way, according to the left, that is illegitimate. It's, it's probably caused by Russian collusion. It needs to be fixed by the courts. But then when the people vote the right way, that's, even if it violates some provision of the constitution, that's democracy and we need more democracy. It's, it's deeply hypocritical. The reality is we live in a constitutional republic. At least we did. We, and, and the way the constitutional republic works is that the people have a say and the states, at least at one time, had a say and the federal government has some power and there are limits imposed by the constitution that, and that's a complex system of government. Today, the way our, our government works is very different. I, I meant to get to this point last week, but I'm glad we have time to get to it now. When Joe Biden came out and ma- gave his vaccine mandate, there were a lot of conservatives who said, that's not how our government works, right? And I, I get what they're saying. What they're saying is, that's not how our government is supposed to work. That's not you know, when I watched Schoolhouse Rock and I am a bill up on Capitol Hill, that's, that's the way our government works. The, the Congress proposes laws and it's, then the Senate votes on them and then it's signed or, or vetoed by the president. And if it's vetoed, it goes back to the House. And if they can muster a veto proof vote, then it goes back and it becomes a law. And then the courts can decide whether or not it's constitutional. If a case is brought up, there you go. That's American democracy. So that's not how it works. That's, I hate to be the one to break this to you, but it turns out our actual system of government our lowercase c constitution, not the uppercase c like the document, but the actual, the way our government is constituted is very different. The way our government is constituted is that some senile old jerk named Joe Biden can just give a decree and pass it to an administrative agency, pass it to OSHA, and then OSHA will just do whatever it wants. And, and if, if you do not comply, it'll bleed you with fines and fees and all sorts of things. That's the way law is actually made. Very few laws are made by the Congress. Most laws are made by these kind of unaccountable bureaucrats. And that's just the way it is. And we can, we can not like that. <laughs> you know, we can disapprove of that. But the reason the left is so good at wielding political power is that they are engaging in politics in the way that it actually exists. And conservatives are engaging in politics in the way that Schoolhouse Rock told us that it's supposed to exist. But that's imaginary. That's not, that's not how it actually works. And so we're going to feel really morally pure and we're going to, and we're going to know what, what the, the framers of the constitution debated in the 18th century. 
And it's not going to result in jack diddly because the left is engaging in the real politics. Our democracy, our de- see, as Rob Reiner's, when peaceful, mostly peaceful, <laughs> conservatives storm into the Capitol and don't kill anybody. And even though the Washington Post and the New York Times reported that they killed a cop, it didn't actually happen, but they go and maybe they break a window and they steal Pelosi's lectern. That's a violent, deadly, dangerous insurrection. When BLM kills dozens of people and burns down courthouses and police buildings and steals a bunch of sneakers and, and steals people's private property, that's a, that's a mostly peaceful protest. Okay. That's our democracy in action. And George W. Bush, the man that Republicans backed for president twice, George W. Bush came out on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and compared, I think, the horn guy from the Capitol to al-Qaeda. The security measures incorporated into our lives are both sources of comfort and reminders of our vulnerability. And we have seen growing evidence that the dangers to our country can come not only across borders, but from violence that gathers within. There is little cultural overlap between violent extremists abroad and violent extremists at home. But in their disdainful pluralism, in their disregard for human life, in their determination to defile national symbols, they are children of the same foul spirit and it is our continuing duty to confront them. This is really weaselly language because Bush won't come out and say what it seems pretty clear that he's saying, that he's going after the Capitol riot people. Now, when I first heard this, I said, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. BLM and Antifa and Al-Qaeda, maybe they are. It's a little harsh, pal, but sure, maybe they are children of the same foul spirit. They've, they have a disregard for human life. Obviously, BLM's killed a lot of people. But when he said they attack national symbols, it seems to me there that is a pointed reference to the Capitol. Now, you might say BLM burned down police buildings, federal courthouses, but you might call that a national symbol. I suspect he's talking about the act. The, when, when you think, what are the national symbols? Uh, the Capitol, the White House, maybe the Washington Monument. And these are the real national symbols. I, I think he's going after them doesn't make sense to say that, that they don't have a regard for human life. They didn't, they didn't kill anybody. You, you, to say that they uh, have a disdain for pluralism, I'm not sure about that. They're, the Trump coalition, whatever you want to say about them, pretty pluralistic. They came from all sorts of backgrounds. This was really tasteless. This was really tasteless. George Bush usually tries to keep it very urbane and, you know, above, he's, he's so above everything, he won't even show up to the Republican co- convention anymore. But this was really tasteless to use the 20th anniversary of 9-11 to attack what, what I, th- I don't think I'm being unfair in interpreting that as an attack on his political opponents on the right, who were the very same people who voted for him and who gave him his political career and who do not deserve to be compared to Al-Qaeda. They don't deserve to be compared to BLM. BLM is much, much worse than, than they are, and they've done many worse things than anything they've ever done. Bush just sounds like a big lib, which I guess he always kind of was. I mean, the Bush family, I, I'm not even, I don't mean this as some personal attack on the Bush family. They were always the liberal Republican family. They were the, there were the Reaganites and the Bushies. And that's why in 1980, Reagan picked Bush to be his VP. It's not because they agree, they didn't agree on very much of anything. In fact, Bush coined the phrase voodoo economics to make fun of Ronald Reagan. They ran a bitter primary, but Reagan picked him to unify the party. 
Reagan almost didn't endorse him in, in 1988. There, it's not like there was a particularly close friendship between these two guys. Okay. And George W. ran as a more conservative candidate than his father did. But in, in his actual presidency, he was very progressive. He was, a, he was a Wilsonian progressive, more Wilsonian probably than Woodrow Wilson. And, that, and now we're seeing, once again, he's going back to his roots and siding with the libs over the people who gave him his political career. As a former Democrat congressional candidate, I almost don't want to give her uh, any oxygen. I don't want to give, give this any more air than it's already gotten. But it ties in with the broader narrative here. Pam Keith tweets out, on, on January 6th, January 6th, 2021, September 11th, 2001, ceased being the worst thing that happened to America in my lifetime. It's really weird and painful to process and say that, but it's the truth. And quite frankly, it's not even close. So this is obviously an absurd statement made by a very stupid woman. The only reason I mention it, and she's just doing it to get clicks, I would imagine. Maybe she really believes it, but then, you know, she's even thicker in between the ears than I expected she was or thinner, <laughs> thinner, I suppose, just the wind blows right through them. The reason I mention this is that what George W. Bush said about right-wingers is not, is not much softer than what she is saying about right-wingers. It's a reminder that sometimes it's called the uniparty or the establishment or the blob or whatever you want to call it, hates you, holds you in contempt, thinks it is so much better than you and you have no right to, to have any say in the affairs of your own country, that they are so much better than you. And really, you know, the way the country is supposed to work is it's supposed to be Bushes and Clintons and Bushes and Clintons. And we're just going to be run by these two semi-competing, sort of cooperating, friendly families of the American political dynasty. That's what we're hearing. There was a professor at Syracuse University. She has since deleted these tweets, but the internet is forever. Jen Jackson is an assistant professor at Syracuse in political science. And she was very upset with the way that people are talking about 9-11. So her biography, just to give you a sense of who this woman is, is she's a, a queer gender flux androgynous black woman. Okay. An abolitionist. Abol- as refers to slavery, which ended 150 years ago. She probably, no, but now you sometimes hear this applied to prisons. So she's, she wants to spring all the criminals from prison and says, a lover of all black people. The specific omission of white people here suggests that uh, she probably doesn't love white people very much. She might actually hate white people, but she really loves black people. She goes, quote, we have to be more honest about what 9-11 was and what it wasn't. It was an attack on the heteropatriarchal capitalistic systems that America relies upon to wrangle other countries into passivity. It was an attack on the systems that many white Americans fight to protect. She's saying that America deserved it, and specifically white Americans deserved it. And the blame for 9-11 goes to white Americans who invited this because they're not communists and because they're not black. And that woman is teaching at Syracuse University. You are going to hear from some squishes, if this story even makes it out, you're going to hear, well, academic freedom, uh, academic freedom means that we can't fire this woman. This woman should be fired and ostracized from polite society and frankly banished to St. Helena. Okay. She has no right to teach. She has no right to participate in polite society. We once understood this. I mentioned this book, God and Man at Yale, where I was very honored to write the new introduction to the 70th anniversary edition. This is the book that launched the modern conservative movement. 
the subtitle is The Superstitions of Academic Freedom. This was the first big conservative book in the modern political era, and it made fun of academic freedom. We also should make fun of that. It's a, it's a joke. It's a farce. It's a hoax, to quote Buckley. It is used only to defend libs for upending our standards. It's never used to defend conservatives. The woman should be fired, and she should never be hired again. And it's just that simple. This even affects the government. In the Maryland Diversity Office, an office that should be abolished, the Maryland Diversity Office planned to commemorate September 11th uh, with with a play about how we ought to oppose anti-Muslim stereotypes, because that's the lesson of 9-11. That's the lesson. That's the real hurt from 9-11 is the Muslim stereotypes that came afterward. Not the 3,000 dead Americans, not their families, not the city of New York, not the country as a whole that really still hasn't gotten over 9-11. No, it's the Muslim stereotypes. That's, that's the issue. That's Islamophobia. The, the play, the, the, the diversity office has since canceled it, and Maryland should cancel the diversity office, has, uh, it, it said the play explores themes like Islamophobia and exposes the racial and ethnic prejudices against Muslims. As I mentioned, there are not racial prejudices against Muslims because Islam is not a race. It's a religion. But because now, I mean, this is actually pretty good proof of my argument that racism is now just a synonym for bad. It's because we can't talk about sin or evil or vice. We're, we don't, we lack the moral and ethical language to do that, and theological language. So instead, we just, we talk about racism and we call things that have nothing to do with race racism, like attacks on Islam or criticisms of Islam. It's now racist. Thankfully, they scrapped this play. Speaking of critical race theory, though, which is behind a lot of what you're, you're seeing from these places, Chris Rufo. You know, Chris Rufo is the Manhattan Institute scholar who really popularized this campaign against critical race theory. He's responsible for a lot of ordinary Americans going out to the school boards and, and saying, get this crap out of the classroom. Women, like the uh, my new favorite the woman in America who's, who's, says that she's not Joe Biden's hoe and he's not going to send her to the boulevard. You know, ordinary people who are waking up and saying, I don't like what's going on. Chris Rufo was just unverified on Twitter. Unverified. He wasn't suspended. He wasn't banned. It's just he used to have a blue check mark, which means, you know, you're the real Chris Rufo. You get a blue check mark if there are like fake accounts. That, I mean, I've had, I've had one for years. And the, way, the reason I got it, I had a little, tiny bit of a public profile, but it was because there were fake Knowles accounts. So they said, okay, you put the check and this is how we know you're the real you. It's not, it's not supposed to be at least any symbol of merit or <laughs> valor or anything like that. It's just to verify who you are. So Chris lost it. And I, I messaged Chris. I said, oh, Chris, you know, I always suspected you're not really who you are. I always know. What did he, did he stop being Chris Rufo? They did this to this uh, white identitarian some years ago, Richard Spencer. They didn't kick him off, but they took away his check mark. What did he stop being Richard Spencer? No, this is just a way of saying, we don't like you. We want to suppress your reach. It's the beginning of a social credit system in America. We don't have time to get to it, but a lot more evidence of this social credit system in America. Not so different from what we read about in China. Maybe we'll have time to get to it tomorrow. In the meantime, don't give up. Keep fighting back. For right now, it looks like it's working. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. 
And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The VMAs were last night. It was vulgar and debauched and also boring, and nobody cared about it. I think there's an important lesson in that, which I'll explain today. Also, George Bush gave a speech on 9-11, which has the left celebrating him. White liberals keep calling Larry Elder a white supremacist. A new poll shows that Democrat voters consider Trump supporters to be a bigger threat than the Taliban or China. And finally, many people in the media have been defending the vaccine mandates on the basis that they have the right to be free from COVID. Is that true? Does any such right exist? Talk about that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.